1: Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm Henry Chisholm, and there's a lot to talk about again today, as there always is. And again, I am surprised that there are so many things that I want to talk about um, when there isn't build-up to a football game. Okay, Um, that said, there is kind of build-up to a football game, a football game that I am really excited about, and actually a whole weekend of football games that I'm excited about. Um... Obviously, the big one for Buffs fans uh, is the Pac-12 title game. Uh, Oregon taking on Utah. Utah has a good shot to make the playoff if it wins. Uh, Oregon has a chance to spoil the entire Pac-12's hopes by beating Utah. um, And I think that that is very much on the table. Um, Really excited about that. But then there's a whole day of football tomorrow. Um, hopefully you guys get a chance. I haven't looked at how all these games line up uh, com- compared to the Kansas Colorado basketball game, but hopefully, hopefully we get like a favorable draw and we can just sit and watch football and basketball all day. Uh, that sounds really great to me. Uh, I would guess it sounds pretty great to you. Um, and I want to talk about some of those games uh, coming up here. And uh, before I do that, I want to tell you about our friends at Drift Car Sharing. Um, really love Drift Car Sharing. Uh, really wish that I had taken advantage of this offer in the past because it should be too good to pass up. Basically, they give you money and uh, you get to park your car there. So, what a steal. Everywhere we You know, I live in Capitol Hill... Um, like a little bit south of the Capitol building in Denver and it's so expensive to park anywhere. I just park on the street. I don't have like a monthly lease for a spot somewhere. My roommate pays like hundreds of dollars every month just to have a parking spot. I have to drive around and find one, move my car every two hours when I'm around. Um, usually they don't really enforce that actually, but, uh, parking is hard with with the, these Drift car-sharing folks, it's really not hard at all. Instead of paying to park a car at the airport, they rent your car out and pay you. It's just a great deal. Go to drivedrift.com for more info. Definitely, definitely check them out. Okay. Um, football games today and tomorrow. I'm so excited. You know, it's, like, it's a weird thing because... As exciting as it is that they're championship games, that there's a whole lot at stake. It's almost like the first round of the college football playoff. You know, that's what Dre always says on that draft pod. And it's like, well, yeah, except that you don't really know. Like, the goalposts are constantly moving. You don't necessarily know, like, oh, you win, you're in, or you lose, you're out. It's just that same sort of ambiguity that's all over college football, which it's part of the tradition. It's part of all of that. And I'm not complaining too much. It definitely isn't totally like a first round of the playoffs, though, because in the first round of the playoffs, it's very clear. You just win and then you advance. And if you lose, you don't. Um, That said, still very important, but not quite as exciting as it was a week ago when I was in Utah gearing up for the Buffs playing the Utes, or the week before that, gearing up for the Buffs playing Washington, or the Stanford the week before that, you know, it's not nearly as much fun to not have the Buffs playing. You know, there are so many people on that team who I enjoy watching and would have loved to have continued to watch uh, into this part of the season. But I do think that there are some pros to not having the Buffs play. Um, I, they definitely don't outweigh the negatives, but it is nice to be able to just sit down on a Saturday and just watch football. And, you know, I, I know that I'm the only one who really has to work the Buffs games, um, probably, of the people who are listening. But even taking away the part where it's like, oh, you have to go, you have to interview, you have to write, you have to call a podcast, all that kind of stuff, just taking the stress out of having having a team that you're pulling for, having a chance to just sit down, and watch good football, and enjoy good football, and dissect everything that Oklahoma's offense is going to try to do against the Baylor defense that isn't very good. Watch Jalen Hurts in one of his last real college football games. I mean, he'll probably make a bowl game. So there there should be one more after this. But this era of college football, which Jalen Hurts has been very much a part of, whether it's the national championships at at bama whether it's his kind of resurgence here after losing the job to Tua Tagovailoa and now it's crazy that i can say tua tagovailoa i remember when tua first got into that national championship game and even an hour after the game like i could just not pull that name out all of us up, up in montana were like trying to pronounce it nobody could get the name right and we were like trying hard like talking about the game just sounded so dumb and now we've gotten to the point where tua tagovailoa is just as much a part of the football dialect as anything else. Um, you know, and, and that era also coming to a close, and maybe not the way we wanted it to. We don't get to see Tua out on the field playing, but so many of these storylines are just being closed up. Justin Herbert at Oregon, um, overrated. Um, you know, there's there's uh, there's a whole bunch of meaningful football going down and we just get to sit back and enjoy it. Watch Lincoln Riley's offense. Watch the Bama offense. Um, watch all those Bama receivers. Figure out which ones you want your team to draft. Hopefully, I mean, I'm not really sure. It, maybe, maybe at some point in the off season, we can do like a like a demographics poll, and I can learn where you're like who you guys cheer for. Like, I get I get the data on like where you live, like which countries you live in, states, cities, all that kind of stuff. But I don't get are you Broncos fans? Do you care about the NBA? Uh, do you care about Buffs basketball or are you just here football? or do you only care about you know, maybe maybe that's something I need to get figured out. But um hopefully you guys are cheering for an NFL team that is needy for receivers because what a time to to need a receiver. This class, I mean, th- th- Alabama alone has four guys who, at a minimum, are second-round picks. It's pretty incredible. Um, getting to watch all them play, even with a backup quarterback, I'm excited. Um, again, though, the big game. And luckily, we're kind of getting this out of the way Friday night. I'm recording this. It's, it's like 4:10 now, so I'm a little under two hours away from the Pac-12 title game uh, between Oregon and Utah I'm happy that that one's tonight because actually the Nuggets are playing, so my attention might be a tiny bit split. But mostly it's the one thing going on that I'll be paying attention to. I'll be able to like tune in. And it's also the one thing that really does affect uh, Colorado um, because of all the money involved, because of the TV deal, because of the, the potential for the Pac-12 to have a team in the college football playoff for the first time in a couple of years. There are a whole bunch of those sorts of landmarks that are you know that they're a big deal to Colorado and the future of Colorado athletics specifically money-wise um and to be able to watch that get all of like the stress of watching that game out tonight so that it isn't ruining the day of fun sports and I guess that Kansas Colorado game uh which we'll talk about a little bit later um that one might be a bit stressful but uh Also, I should say this, uh, if you guys are looking for uh, another team to cheer for because your NFL team is bad, because the buffs are bad, and you don't want to be done with football season, and you also don't want to wait another month before the college football playoff, it's time to hop hop on this Montana Grizzlies bandwagon. Uh, They got by in the first round. FCS playoffs are down to 16 teams. And they're hosting a game up in Missoula tomorrow. I think they've got a shot to run. They've got the senior quarterback. They've got the best defensive uh, player in the country in Dante Olson. Uh, he's going to be a stud at inside linebacker for somebody in the NFL. And he's probably going to to be a steal just because he is coming out of the FCS. He's just so big and so fast inside linebacker and doesn't miss tackles. And he's like the smartest guy and one of my favorite people I've ever gotten to spend time with because of my job, Um, jump on the bandwagon. Definitely jump on the bandwagon. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is their first playoff game, like I said, with the bye. One of the eight teams that got the first round bye. That's exciting. Um, So I guess that maybe tomorrow is going to be stressful. That's disappointing. Um, But yeah, Oregon tonight, uh, I don't want to go with uh, too much too much a preview of this game because like I said it's it's 2 hours out unless you guys like listen to this right when I drop it you're probably not going to get to it I guess you'd have to start within like a half hour doesn't matter um these teams this game is a toss up uh I if if I were to bet I'd say Utah I feel better about Utah. I think that the defense is definitely going to keep them in the game. I think the offense can definitely keep them in the game. They're going to have a chance to win it late at the worst. And at best, they might be able to force a couple mistakes in this offense and build a two-score lead and and kind of not, not totally coast. I don't think they're good enough to totally coast against Oregon, but maybe relax just a little bit. Um This is probably the biggest test. This is definitely the biggest test that Utah is going to go up against this year. Uh, The one loss on record was to USC, uh, Oregon. Great offensive line. You're going to have to see whether Utah's defensive line is going to be able to break through that, um, whether they're going to need to send pressure and uh, maybe expose some of these uh, back seven guys. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily think that the back seven is bad for Utah but it hasn't been tested nearly as much because they've been able to generate the pressure with the front four Um, the back seven has been able to you know divide the field into sevenths and if you have to send two of those guys up and you're dividing the field into fifths all of a sudden there's some more space for the offense to work with Um, I think that's the the biggest question for me going into this game um, because there are some good offensive lines in the college football playoff, as you'd expect, you know, LSU Lloyd cushionberry's a guy that I'm really high on, uh, both tackles at Ohio state, uh, then, uh, Clemson. I, I don't, I haven't watched much of Clemson, honestly, but I'd assume good offensive line. Uh, that's going to be the test here. That's what you're watching for. Seeing whether the pressure generated by this defensive line translates against a team of Oregon's caliber. Um, Honestly, Oregon might have a better offensive line than any of those teams. They're they're right in there, at the very least. Um, and then the same thing, the trenches on the other side. That's how Utah, Utah plays football. They win in the trenches on offense, they win in the trenches on defense, and that means they win. Um, biggest test so far. See if that formula holds true. And if it does, then they could not only make the college football playoff, but kind of surprise some people by how they perform once they're there. Um, Some more games tomorrow. Uh, Mostly interested in the Power 5 stuff. We can jump into Hawaii Boise State too. But uh, first one of the day, 10 a.m., number 7 Baylor going to number 6 Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a 9-point favorite. And that's interesting to me. Um, Oklahoma hasn't been... Itself recently, specifically Jalen Hurts, hasn't been his self recently. They've been squeaking out wins. I guess Oklahoma State last week they won by 18. Week before that they win by four. Week before that they win late uh, by three points over Baylor. Then before that, one point over Iowa State. Lose by seven to Kansas State. Um, and then back before that was kind of when they were super hot, and the storyline of the year was: Is, is Jalen Hurts actually the best quarterback in the country? And you'll remember, if you're a Draft Pod listener, that I was very bought in on Jalen Hurts. Now, uh, now they're taking on Baylor, and Baylor's coming off a 61-6 win over Kansas, 24-10 win over Texas. They they are playing good football. They don't get the hype because they don't have uh, Jalen Hurts. The Heisman type quarterback, but nine points is a lot. Nine points is a lot. What what is really working in these teams favor, um, or like in the spreads favor and Oklahoma's favor covering it is that they're just going to be so many points. Um, it's not like this is going to be a fourteen ten type game where it's just tough to ever build a nine point advantage. This could be a forty something to thirty something, even touching 50, maybe, um, really excited, really excited to see Jalen hurts play. I, again, working all these Saturdays, I don't get much of a chance to just hang out and watch this stuff. Uh, next big game up is, uh, Georgia at, uh, Georgia LSU at 2 PM number four, Georgia at number two LSU. Um, if Georgia wins this game, then Utah's out of the playoff. Uh, Georgia would take that fourth spot assuming LSU beats Georgia that's where the conversation definitely comes into play um I think I think that a loss to LSU is probably going to knock Georgia out of the playoff um you'd have to think that they'd knock them down in the rankings again you never really know at this point in the season and you know Georgia good football team Similar, similar to Utah in a lot of ways, leaning on that defense. Um jumping back to that Baylor game, again, uh seven Baylor, six Oklahoma. If number six Oklahoma beats the number seven team, that might be more impressive than number five Utah being number thirteen Oregon. And Oklahoma could jump Utah. So if you're just cheering for the Pac-12 here, these are the two games that really matter. You want to see Baylor beat Oklahoma. You want to see LSU beat Georgia and then Utah should be in the playoff. If Georgia wins, they get the fourth spot. If Georgia loses as they probably should and uh Oklahoma and Utah win, we don't really know what's going to happen. Um next up is Clemson. Uh they play Virginia. Virginia's kind of been they've been a story this year. Up uh, Again, the upset over Virginia Tech last week, um, the first time they've beaten them in a long time, uh, that's a... That's, oh, it's a 15-game losing streak is what it was. That's kind of storyline. That's who Virginia is. This would be a great way for them to end their season upsetting an undefeated Clemson. Um, doubt that's what's going to happen. Feel safe with Clemson. It's a 28-and-a-half-point line. Uh Ohio state, Wisconsin final power five matchup. Um, Ohio state again, 16 and a half point favorites should win this game. Wisconsin doesn't look like they looked like early in the season. Um, Ohio state is probably the team that Utah plays in the first round. Maybe LSU jumps them with a win over number four. I don't know. Um, excited about that one too. Again, a game that's going to be one in the trenches. Ohio state is just talented everywhere. Um, offense defense it's just special that's a fun team to watch and I haven't had too much of a chance to like I've said just sit down and watch them. boy am I excited about that um Hawaii Boise State that's uh the one other game that we're kind of interested in just because we are in the Mountain West area um Boise State big time favorite uh I think what's the line now 14 points they played earlier this season. Boise State beat Hawaii uh, 59 to 37. Um, I know a lot of people were really upset that uh, Air Force doesn't get to play in this game because, uh, because of the divisions. You know, it's like, do they call it the North and South? I don't know what they call it. It's something like that mountain region and something else, maybe. But, um, because air force is in the same division as Boise state. They can't play each other in the championship, but air force is pretty clearly the number two team in the conference beat Hawaii, 56, 26, um, lost to Boise state 30 to 19, pretty close game watching it. That was one of their two losses this season. Uh, the other was to Navy. Wish we got a chance to see air force because I love that offense. (laughs) Um, but they'll have a bowl game. Love a bowl game for sure. Uh, That's kind of a quick rundown of what's going on in the championships tomorrow. I'm really excited. Uh, When we get back, we're going to talk about the Buffs basketball team playing against Kansas. Um, Before we jump into that, though, I do want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. It's one of my favorite partners personally because I'm pretty into beer. I'm not like a snobby beer guy who knows like, oh, this is a, you can feel the hoppy. I don't know what any of it means. All I know is there's good beer, there's bad beer, and then it's kind of on a spectrum because if it's like an all right beer, but it has like 1% alcohol and you're not really getting much bang for your buck, then all of a sudden it becomes like worse. And so that's really my comparison is, is it good versus how much alcohol is in it? And is it like doing the trick for me? Um, Last night I had a Christmas ale, which is just like off the charts in terms of that scale. It, uh, it's, it's a good beer. It's flavorful beer. It's a very Christmassy beer, which I guess is in the name, but uh, it's also like over 7% alcohol, um, which is quite a bit. And it's just a great value if you're like me, and that's how you think about beer. Um, definitely check that out. Definitely check out all of their beers. The Strawberry Sky is a favorite. Um, Brandon was on the Draft podcast this week, Brandon Spano, saying that he really likes the United and Orange, which isn't my favorite of all of them. Like, It's a good beer. I definitely like drink a lot of them, but like the Strawberry Sky, the Avalanche, those are more my speed. Um, But again, there's something there for everybody and that's what's really important. So definitely check them out. If you want to know where you can do that, you can use the beer locator on their website. That will tell you where you can try a Breckenridge beer near you. Okay. I also want to tell you for the first time ever about Mile High Green Cross. Okay. So our friends over at Mile High Green Cross, Offer an experience that you won't forget. Mile High Green Cross has award-winning products. Check out this year's Cannabis Cup winning products when you head to their website. Mile High Green Cross offers a variety of CBD products, from edibles to concentrates to cartridges. They pride themselves on their customer service, and it shows. Every single time you pop in, you will receive one-on-one attention with one of their seasoned sales associates. Not to mention, they have everyday low prices on in-house products, such as $99 pre-pack ounces and V3 hash oil bulk deals, five cartridges for $100. A Mile High Green Cross offers out-the-door pricing. What they advertise is what you pay. No cash, no problem. Mile High Green Cross now accepts hyper. What's even better is the amount of time you spend in the dispensary. On average, the the time you walk in to the time you walk out is only about nine minutes. I know that's super important for me in my crazy, hectic life. They're informative and speedy, so head downtown today and check out Mile High Green Cross. They're conveniently located on 9th and Broadway. and They also offer parking in the back. Tell them who sent you. 9th and Broadway, that's uh, it's like two blocks away. That's like a block and a half away from me. That's pretty crazy. Oh, I huh. I didn't know. We're partners with my neighbors. That's pretty cool. Um, oh, yeah. That's they, I just had to pull up the map to see exactly. Yeah, that's, that's them right there. Cool. Okay. Uh, definitely check them out. New partner. Definitely have to support them because they support us. Okay. Um, basketball. I think it's time for some basketball talk. We went heavy on the basketball yesterday um, for good reason. This is a very exciting week. You know, I haven't looked back through past Colorado schedules, but I I can't imagine that they've played a top five team, a top two team, all that often uh, in recent history, especially not at a time when they themselves are ranked. Uh, It's probably a stat I should find. When's the last time? They were ranked twentieth or better and played somebody second or better, years and years and years. I'd be willing to guess. Okay, um, they are in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, getting ready to take on the Kansas Jayhawks tomorrow at five. Yep, yeah, I think at five uh, thirty. I'll pull that up. That's something I should know. Um, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, we talked about the turnovers yesterday and how that's kind of going to be the deciding force. It's five. It is five on ESPN two. Uh, in a lot of uh, Colorado's games going forward, the more competitive ones, um, I'm about to drop a story about exactly that. But the thing is, they've actually won the turnover battle in five of seven games. That's pretty crazy. I think they've given up. I think I think 79 turnovers for them, 122 maybe for their opponents this season. Even though Colorado is last in the, ta- in the Pac-12 in turnovers per game, their defense has been good enough to compensate. I don't know that that's going to be the case against a team like Kansas. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a really tough game, and I think that's what everybody knew when this was first announced, and it's held true up to this point. Uh, it, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, Kansas is really, really good at basketball. Really cannot emphasize that enough. They're They're hot they're, they're six and one actually, but their one loss was in the season opener. So again, kind of like a fluky situation and it was to Duke, uh, famously a very good basketball school and it was only by two points. Um, meanwhile, Kansas has kind of been steamrolling most of their opponents, not Dayton who Colorado will play in a couple weeks. Uh, so that's a uh, great, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I think one one advantage, the, the bright spot that I am really clinging to here uh, for Colorado going into this game is that the Jayhawks won the Maui Invitational 10 days ago, I want to say, and haven't played since. So, again, scary that they actually just won another tournament, but also they've only been practicing. They haven't had any games for 10 days. That's a long time. Um, You have to hope that Colorado can catch them off guard early, build a lead, and just kind of control the game. Um, Not necessarily like hold on to a 10-point lead all the way through. That's going to be really tough against this Kansas team. But if you could get up to something like that, like just get hot early, make it 13-5, and then just kind of hold on, keep that whatever it ends up being, seven-point margin as long as you can. That seems like the formula here. This doesn't seem like the type of game where Colorado can just come out slow uh, like it has in the past. Uh, Loyal Marymount, that was a kind of slow start. Uh, Wyoming, I I don't even want to talk about that game. Slow start, though. Um, Can't afford that against Kansas, especially when things line up the way they do with all of this downtime. Just got to jump on them early. Hope they aren't ready for it. And if they're ready for it, then you you can't go down. You definitely can't go down because even then, they're still just going to be getting better as the game progresses, as they get back into real game rhythm. Um, also, you guys probably know this, but Tad Boyle, the Buffs coach, was a guard for Kansas back in the day, uh, which is... A cool little storyline there. I think he'd really like to beat him. Um, <laughs> I think most of the team would really like to beat him. But there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on here. Uh, for Kansas, you have to watch out for the big guy. Uh, he's the matchup. I mean, they have they have talent everywhere. There are so many really good basketball players on this Kansas team. The one that concerns me is uh, Udoka Azubuike, the senior center for Kansas. He's he's a freak. He's really a freak. Uh, seven feet tall. He's shooting almost eighty percent from the field this year. A little over fifteen points per game. Uh, close to eight rebounds a game. That's a that's gonna be a challenge because as well as the Buffs posts have been playing, they haven't. I mean, they're just not all that tall, all that long. Like Tyler Bay, long guy, seven foot wingspan. Again, he's still giving up four inches, probably, five inches to Azubuike. Um, makes it tough to defend him. Evan Batty, he's big, he's not gonna get pushed around. He's strong, he's athletic, but he isn't a seven footer. You know, your seven footer is Dallas Walton and he hasn't he he hasn't started out all that hot to the season. Uh, you, you need him to step up to be somebody who can just just make things hard for Azabuke. You know, you can let him score. You can let him score a lot, but you can't let him make eighty percent of his baskets. That just doesn't that doesn't work. Like he just can't afford that. Um, good defense. I I I think I probably like Colorado's defense a little bit better. Um, it's just about whether they can actually get clicking um, offensively, and that's been the story for a while now. Can't afford the turnovers, but also just need need that ball to pop. you need you need to look like something special's happening. You gotta look like you're a good basketball team like you need not only the highlights where it's Tyler Bay dunking on somebody or Evan Batty with the putbacks or McKinley Wright with some crazy drive and floater or something you know. Those are all great, but those are all individual highlights. You want the ball movement. You want the ball swinging around, getting to open guys in the corner. And, and and when you get somebody open in the corner, he needs to knock down the shot. That's what that's what basketball is like when you're playing Kansas. You just can't blow opportunities. But that's what it's going to be like against a lot of really good basketball teams. Uh, Colorado will get to play Dayton later on uh, in December. That's going to be another test like this. Uh, Some of these Pac-12 teams will give them tests like this. And when you get to the NCAA tournament, pretty much everybody who's there is using what they have well. You know, even, even if you're playing... Oh, let's go Big Sky Conference. Love talking Big Sky Conference. Even if you're playing the Big Sky Conference champion in the first round, and you know you have the talent advantage, and you have the size and the strength, what you know is what the small conference champion was able to do was enough to beat out everybody else in the conference consistently. That means that at, at that level of play where all those players have the same amount of talent, they have the same amount of size, all that kind of stuff. This was the clean team. This was the team that was playing good basketball, but maybe not with the most talented players. You know, they were knocking down the open threes. They weren't turning the ball over. They weren't blowing defensive assignments. They weren't giving up fast breaks. All these sorts of things that basketball teams either do or they don't. And in whatever league, whatever the skill level, that holds true. Either you handle those things right or you don't. And that's what's going to decide whether you win the, the league. Um, when you play a team that does that, and that's those are the teams that make the tournament. Those are all those little conference champions that make it in. Those... Uh, Those teams can give you fits because they're just going to play good basketball. And right now, Colorado, offensively, they aren't playing good basketball. They're turning the ball over. Passes are getting tipped all over the place. They aren't... I don't know. It didn't seem like they were standing around either. It's not like not moving is the problem. It's just not effective. Most of what they're doing just isn't effective. And they aren't knocking down as many of the open looks as they should. You just gotta clean all of that up, and even if you do clean it up, it's still going to be tough to beat Kansas. But you'd at least give them a run for their money. If if you don't, this could get ugly. This could, uh, this could, this one could sting. Um, Colorado, obviously seven and zero. Kansas six and one. If if Colorado loses by ten or less. They might drop a spot in the standings or in the rankings from 20th to 21st, maybe 22nd. But it won't be that far because the Jayhawks are just a top-tier basketball school. And there are a lot of people who think that they're going to be the national champions. They should be in the Final Four, all that kind of stuff at the end of the year. Um, Colorado's really good. There aren't a lot of people who think that Colorado is going to walk into Kansas and win that basketball game. If they lose by more than that, though, if this is a 15-point loss, a 20-point loss, then all of a sudden it's time to get concerned. That's when you start to see these big hits to the rankings, Um, big hits to the national perspective of this team, which is important and will definitely play a part in deciding what the end of the season looks like for Colorado. You know, is this... Is this a three seed or is this an eight seed? You know that that's all that's all still very much up in the air, and too much of it is based on reputation. You you can't let yourself get blown out on national TV. You just can't do it. Um, and if you can somehow sneak in there, make it a game late, pull something out late, even then we're talking about this team. This team being a a couple more wins away from being looked at as a title contender, which is pretty crazy to think about considering where Colorado basketball has been, even where it is now. But you go into Kansas, you win this game, you're going to jump up in the rankings to what? 12? 10? You could be a little bit higher than that, too. Uh, it, it just kind of depends. As an undefeated team with a big win like that, the sky's really the limit. If you hold on to that and uh, keep winning through that Dayton game, whew, all of a sudden this team has, has a really, really nice national reputation to work off of uh, heading into Pac 12 play. Um, that all starts with jumping on Kansas early, uh, playing good defense. Forcing some early turnovers because, you know, they haven't been playing at game speed. Practice just isn't the same. Um, If you can force a couple turnovers, get some easy buckets, build a little bit of a lead, and uh, play from ahead most of the way instead of, you know, clawing your way back in. You know, going down six and fighting your way back to two and then falling back to eight. Then getting back up within one. You know, it's just so much easier to be on the other side of that when you are kind of in control, when you feel more comfortable, and I think that there really is a path for Colorado to hold that role in this matchup because Kansas has had so much time off. Um, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Five o'clock tomorrow. That's a. Uh, that's gonna be a blast. That's gonna be a blast. Uh, you know, there's, there's, like I said, kind of different tiers of things that could happen here. You know, they pull out the win, that's huge. They keep it close late, that's also pretty big. Uh, they keep it in that 10 point range, sure, you're not complaining. But then you get in that 15, 20, it, it gets ugly. Um, as that's the thing about college sports and the rankings and all of that is that you just, you just. It's, it's not just wins and losses. It's how it looks. And at the very least, Colorado needs to look like they belong with Kansas. Um, like on a good night, they could beat Kansas. And I, I definitely think that's in the cards. It's going to be a, tough to actually win the game. But there are a couple things playing in Colorado's favor. Got to clean it up, though. Uh, and I wish that they had shown that it was cleaned up before they got out to Kansas. You never know. At some point, and I'm still confident this offense is going to start clicking. I just don't know whether it's uh, Pac-12 tournament time, whether it's Pac-12 season time, or maybe, you know what, they come out tomorrow and all of those issues are in the past. Uh, Boy, would that be nice. Okay, Uh, that's probably good for basketball talk for now. Um, We'll definitely be digging into this game on Monday. You know, if the Buffs win this game... We might have to get a post-game pod up. Uh, I don't know how you could not. It's just too huge of a game. But uh, as it stands, I'm planning on coming back Monday with another show for you guys. Uh, unless something crazy happens tomorrow, then we'll f- see what's up with my day, whether I have an extra hour. Um, before we move on to talk about some Buffs football stuff, I'd like to tell you guys about Gold Boys. If you guys haven't heard of Goldboy's wholesale and distribution yet, you are in for a treat. Goldboy's wholesale and distribution is all about innovative, top-quality products from their own clothing line to brands such as Cookies and Supreme. They have delicious CBD br- drinks, lip balms, bath scrubs, vape pens, gummies, you name it. They also carry their own Denver-made line of CBD products as well as Quantum Muscle Rub, Rehab X, and many more. Or check them out online today and have products shipped straight to your door. The inside of this smoker boutique is something you have to see for yourself. It was designed to inspire, motivate, and lighten people, and it does just that. We're talking huge murals of Nelson Mandela, Oprah, Martin Luther King Jr., and so many more, with quotes and inspirational sayings all across the walls. It's truly one of a kind. You've got to check it out for yourself. And if you can't make it out to their shop, remember to browse their products online at goldboys303.com. That's goldboys303.com. You'll receive 30% off-site-wide on Black Friday. This hasn't been updated. And if you're buying in bulk, call for your discount at 720-372-9843, and they'll take care of you. Gold Boys, where everything is gold. Okay, football. Um... We talked about that defensive line yesterday, which is a group that I'm really excited about. And I was thinking about doing like a nice, simple progression, um, defensive line. And then the next day get into linebackers then the next day get into defensive backs and that the offensive line and then the quarterbacks and then the running back, you know, um, filtering your way all the way through. But, um, well, here's the weird story of how it all kind of happened. I uh, was getting excited about the Broncos because I was thinking about Drew Locke again. Love thinking about Drew Locke. He's something special. Um, and we were doing mock drafts. And I do a lot of mock drafts. And I was trying to figure out which mid-round running back I thought the Broncos should take. Somebody to throw into the running back's room with Philip Lindsay. Move Royce Freeman maybe into that third back role. I don't know. Something like that. Um, like Najee Harris. Like Zach Moss. Like uh Eno Benjamin, a bunch of Pac-12 guys. And uh like this guy from Maryland too. Uh Anthony McVarland, I think is his name. But uh as I was doing that, I I got back into some of the high school tape for these guys, just because like when you're watching, it just like pops up like, Oh, come watch Najee Harris in high school. It's like, well, how could you not? Five star running back out of high school, what does that even look like? And so then I started going down that road and I spent a little bit too long going down that road. Um, and then I thought, what about a shod Clayton? What does a shod Clayton's tape look like compared to those guys? And then I started daydreaming instead of about what the Broncos offense could look like if you throw another couple receivers, couple linemen, and maybe like a tight end and a running back in there. So basically if you rebuild everything, uh, I started daydreaming about what the Buffs' rushing attack could look like next year. And it's all speculation, obviously, at this point. Um, we don't know. The coaches don't know. They got to get Ashad Clayton into pads and see what he looks like. You know, in theory, he should be the best of the bunch, just based on stars, but... Uh, Stars aren't everything. Sometimes what really matters is whether you can play football. And we just don't know that yet. So take this stuff with a grain of salt and remember that there are going to be a whole bunch of stages of these conversations um, about every group, but running backs in particular. Because when you look at the receivers, you you can kind of see how things are going to stack up. You know that... KD is going to be very involved. You know that Dimitri Stanley is going to be very involved. Behind that, you're probably pretty confident that Daniel Arias, Vontae Chenault, um, gonna be pretty involved. Then, then you get into some question marks. You know, Jalen Jackson is he ready to get up on the field and start contributing consistently? He looked good the couple of times we got to see him last year. Uh, Braden Huffman Dixon, another pretty highly rated recruit who. You know, we really didn't hear much about. It starts skill, bit shady. But you know that there are so many receivers that rotate in and out of the game that pretty much that entire crew is going to get some sort of opportunity. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, you get to the quarterback where there's one guy on the field. That's why you see so much turnover in the transfer portal because there isn't much rotation. It's, it's, it's this guy's job until either he proves that you can't play him anymore or he uh, gets hurt. That's just the way the quarterback position works. The running backs are kind of somewhere in the middle. And so much can change from week to week, um, game to game, between who, who gets the ball, who gets to run, who fits best against the opponent's. Um, and as of now, we don't totally know exactly which role everybody fits into. You know, does Deion Smith take a step as a receiving back and then all of a sudden third downs become his it's on the table. I don't think it's all that likely, but maybe when you're playing, um, a team that you're trying to spread out a little bit, make the linebackers run, he gets more reps because that matchup fits him better. Maybe you see somebody has a little bit of a light defensive front, a light front seven. You just want Jaron Mangum to run those guys over so he gets the reps. We don't know what all of these roles look like yet, but it's a lot of fun to try to figure out what they will be and who fits where and how you can piece these different guys together in a way that maximizes all of their strengths while hiding their weaknesses. And that's what so much of that part of the game is about. You know, you want to start with recruiting the players and finding talent and bringing it in and then developing it. But then eventually when it comes to game day, you you have what you have and you got to do what it takes to win with it. Um, I almost wonder if this year there was a little bit less of that. Maybe they were a little bit more focused on the future with the way that they rotated in some of the younger guys a little bit earlier than I would have expected. You know, Mark Perry played well. It wasn't a a super hot start, but it gave him an opportunity to learn and to grow. And by the end of the year, you know, I I was rewatching that uh, Utah game today. I figured it was a good time because uh, it's, it's a, why not? I guess Utah plays tonight. I wanted to watch the Buffs again. I don't know, but uh, Mark Perry played pretty well. There were some mistakes there too, um, but fewer mistakes than there would have been if he hadn't played until that week or the week before. You know, it's just this process, and I think that going into next year, it's just going to be about winning. You know, we talked uh, about the the zone defense quite a bit in the middle of this season where they were getting beat guys couldn't handle their responsibilities particularly the linebackers but they didn't change the scheme to fit these guys better which is a pet peeve of a lot of people um, especially like watching the Broncos the last couple of years uh, people have been really upset that it doesn't always feel like the scheme that they're putting together is built to maximize the player's strengths as much as it's built to do what it's supposed to do. You know, it's what the coaches want to do instead of what the coaches should do to take advantage of things. you know? Um, and I think that this year there was a lot more of here's our scheme. We want to put everybody into this scheme, see who fits in this scheme, because this is what we're building toward. This is what we want to be. Um, this is what we are going to be as soon as we get enough people to fit and we need to see who fits and who doesn't fit. And so they really stuck with it. And also, you know, they wanted to win a bunch of games. They wanted to to win every game, but I don't necessarily think that it was a... We have to sell out to win each individual game. You know, they they weren't going to stop the progress of developing players inside this defense, developing an understanding of this defense to, to win one game. They weren't going to all of a sudden switch to man coverage because it was simpler just because that gave them a better chance. And again, this is my read on the situation, not things that I have heard, but uh, that's, that's what I saw at least. I think that next year, the expectations begin to rise a little bit for this new coaching staff. And they'll continue to rise each year um, because that's just the way this process works. Um, Next year, Mel needs to start winning a couple more games. Um, By the time the whole team is guys that he recruited, guys he chose to fit into what he wants to do, that's when it's kind of like put up or shut up time. And as you go through that progression, winning each week becomes a little bit more desperate you can't be thinking as much about you know if if we get this whole half in man coverage because it's simpler we might win this game we might find a way to pull it out um versus if we spend this half in zone coverage it will improve this team enough that we'll have a better shot of winning in week 11 week 12 of this season um things get a little more frantic and you just have to do what it takes to win as that pressure builds. And I think that that's what next year will be. Um, definitely building off of the scheme, doing as much as you can to fit what they are doing. But, uh, I do think that next year is the year where you really play to your players strengths. And as m- I've been using a lot of examples of this idea defensively, but I think next year it really comes into play offensively. um, Because, you know, you have a new quarterback. What do you do if it's Brendan Lewis? How do you use him in a way that might not necessarily be the way you use Steven Montez? More run heavy. Maybe uh, making things simpler for him. Uh, Doing that kind of stuff to really help him out. With these receivers, because you don't have LaVisca Chenault and Tony Brown. um, Guys who you can really trust to do anything um, that, you, that you could want them to do. How do you use Jalen Jackson? Put him in good situations. Let him use his speed. Run across the formation. Get open in a place where Brendan Lewis can find him. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot more adaptation next year than there was this year. And, and part of that's just because the coaches have a better understanding of how these players play football. Because they have had a full year to work with them at this point. They've they've seen the strengths. They've seen the weaknesses. And now they have a full offseason to kind of tweak all of the schemes, tweak the playbook to make it fit them better. Um, and again, there will still be some new faces. But for, for the most part, now you know, here's what KD's good at. Here's what KD's bad at. How do we put him in those good situations? Um, and I'm excited to see what these coaches come up with. I think that's it's going to be a challenge... And uh, getting back to the running backs, I'm excited to see how exactly they piece this rotation together, what all these fits look like. Um, You know, losing Visca definitely hurts in a lot of ways, and uh, it's tough to replace him. But I do think that there will be places where the coaching staff is forced to try to use these running backs in sort of a Visca type role, you know, can Jaron Mangum run the Wildcat? Uh, can Can you line two of these guys up, run an option with them? Uh, especially if you have Brendan Lewis, do you, Do you have a couple triple option looks? Not like your classic like wing T, all that kind of stuff, but just a just a more modern um, Lamar Jackson with the Ravens type of triple option or. Uh, Jalen Hurts with Oklahoma. These are just like modern tweaks of that same, all those same concepts. And Brendan Lewis might be the kind of athlete where pulling those plays out five, six times a game could really help take some of the pressure off of him because it's a little more simple, um, less room for error. Again, like anytime there's a pitch, there is that little bit of sketchiness. But but compared to having him read a defense, this would take a bit of the load off of the plate. Off of his plate, a little bit of a brain break. Um, line up in the pistol. Put Jaron Mangum behind you. Put Alex Fonteno next to you. Do you run that triple option where you, you, the first first look is the handoff to Mangum up the middle, and then you run outside and pitch to Fonteno or keep it? You know, I think that there is room for a lot of these looks with these running backs. Um, I don't necessarily think that you you can't put them all on the field. Um, early early on in this process when I saw Ashad Clayton when that when that really started to warm up I, I was wondering how do you handle three running backs who probably deserve some playing time and then behind that you know Deion Smith had a couple of flashes uh, Joe Davis um, is a guy I'm excited about we didn't get to see much of him Jarrett Broussard is back from injury I think that there is room to have multiple running backs in this offense you know it just, it's just limited by the creativity of your coach in um, Jay Johnson, who's really in charge of that offense. It's not like the defense where Tyson Summers is going to be leaning heavily on Mel. You know, Mel might have some ideas and that kind of stuff, but offense, Jay Johnson's doing a whole lot of things there. Um, I, I, I'm excited to see what he comes up with with a full offseason, knowing that he's going to have that sort of talent um, in that backfield. You know, they, last year, the, the strength of the offense was clearly the receivers, and so you did what you could to get the ball into their hands as much as possible. Now that that is shifting just a little bit to the running backs, and I'm not low on these receivers at all, you get an opportunity to play the type of football that some of the most exciting offenses um, at all levels have started to buy into, where it is those multiple running backs, multiple Multiple looks on every play, lots of pistol type stuff. They they use a lot of pistol this year. There was some hype about it coming into the season. I'd like to see him go even more into the pistol with this personnel. Again, this is mostly assuming it's Brendan Lewis. You get a grad transfer, then maybe you're trying to throw the ball more. I I want to see what the freshman can do. Um, and I think that with these types of players, I th- I think there are plays where you can put a Shad Clayton. Uh, Jaron Mangum and Alex Fontenot all out there on the field and be successful doing it. Just bound by the creativity. And I think that uh, I part of it is a test for Jay Johnson to see what he can come up with, but part of it is just an opportunity for people like us who follow the program to see what what his interests are. How creative is he willing to get? Um, is, is he going to keep it more pro style than a lot of these college offenses do? Um, is he going to be kind of at the forefront of this movement, trying to get even more creative, pull up all these weird misdirection pitches, you know, fake a handoff one way, pitch it back the other way, all this weird stuff that you're seeing some really high-powered offenses try and and find success with, and I think that that's really the key point. Is maybe maybe even the Ravens are your inspiration. It's it's been so much fun watching them play. If you guys haven't had a chance to watch them play, now that Buff's football season's over, it might be time to check them out. They're they're all, they're a lot of fun. Um, but so much of what they do is that pistol, multiple running backs throwing tight ends in the backfield, um, lots of players close to the quarterback, and running misdirection out of it really fun brand of football that I am fully behind and I think would really translate well to be the offensive pairing to the Mel Tucker defense Um, lots of running the football it's pretty safe but also very creative and it isn't like you're just running draws and stretches over and over and over you're you're putting putting a very good offensive mind to work and I just I honestly don't know whether that's what Jay Johnson is into Um, when he thinks of creativity is he looking at the double passes kind of the trick plays or will he be the type of guy who wants to run more of those consistently strange plays you know even the Broncos are buying in you know, the reverse open pitch the other direction, this this weird misdirection stuff where you can use all those guys in your backfield to do different things, and the offense, or the defense just doesn't know where the ball's going. Um, th- my takeaway here is that I'm not nearly as concerned about playing time for these running backs as I was a few weeks ago. I think that Alex Fontenot, as I've said before, finished the season as about, Average Pac-12 starting running back. Um, I think that with two more years, he could get up into that upper tier. Where you know, who knows who the names will be at that point. But he could be competing with the Zach Moss, the Eno Benjamin, um, to be that number one guy in in the class. Really, out of out of the Pac-12. I'm excited to see him play. Jaron Mangum needs to show more, um, which is what you expected after a freshman year. We knew that he he had the tools, he had the size, he had the frame. Um, he's he's big, he's fast. It's a combination that will always have a role in football. Now, can he add a little more wiggle, a little more creativity, um, a little more balance? Can he? If if Jaron Mangum can do all of the indescribable things that Alex Fontenot does, where Alex Fontenot just gets hit and stumbles forward for quite a ways and just does that kind of stuff consistently bounces off tacklers just stays low Um, all of those little things that make Alex Fontenot a good back because his strength isn't being like big and fast and like his his strengths aren't going to show up in like a combine type setting what he's good at is just all those intangible uh, sure I'm getting tackled but I'm getting tackled forward no matter what or I'm going to bounce off this guy, I'm still going to go down, but I'm going to fall forward for three, four more yards a few times a game. If Mangum can add those types of things to his game, then he could be something really, really special. Then you have a Shad Clayton, who's pretty big. He's pretty fast. He uh, He's an all-around good back. Uh, I don't know that Mel Tucker's ever going to be one to lean on a feature back, I think that the running back by committee fits his mindset better because, I mean, it's just all about depth with him, especially, I mean, the running backs where he's been. You look at Georgia when they had um, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, Sony Michelle, um, all these guys. And that's been the case at Georgia the last few years while he was there, Alabama before that. I don't know that he really wants a bell cow. I think that he just wants so many good running backs that you have to put them on the field, that you have to find a way to get them the ball. Um, I think that's his theory everywhere. I think that part of the reason is, you know, you have a bell cow and he goes down. What are you doing the next week? How are you going to get by that? But it's a lot easier to kind of synthesize that extra 50% of the attack when you have a couple guys you can trust to at least continue to do their job well. Um, Next man up that's how you that's how you prepare for next man up um, it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch his backs um, without Arlington Hambright who again he wasn't perfect uh, I think that he had a lot of tools I think that he has a chance to stick around in the NFL considering or assuming he continues to develop and then Tim Lenot very good center but William Sherman's back. You have Kerry Cooch back. Uh, you have uh, Colby Purcell. You have a lot of guys who can compete. You know, uh, that Joshua Gines, the center, I know they're very high on him. I think we could see a lot of him. They'll be able to patch this line back together. William Sherman, probably the most talented uh, on that line this year. And now he has a chance to continue to grow. Um, And we'll see what he comes back with. Probably moving back to that left tackle spot. We don't know what the line's going to look like, which is a little bit scary. But I do think that they'll figure it out, especially with Chris Kapilovic. And uh, they're going to open some lanes for these running backs. I just hope that we start to see more that pistol, bulky, heavy formations, multiple running backs, running misdirection plays you know not just lining up and running power over and over but getting creative with it and who knows maybe that type of creativity isn't isn't jay johnson's style maybe he does just want the more pro style type of things which would be really disappointing for me but that's that's not like a he's not a good coach he's a he's a not smart enough to be a coach like that's that's not what that would mean. That would just mean that that's his personality. That's his football identity. Um, And that's just something that we don't know yet because we've only seen him coach in this one situation. Uh, I'm excited to see what they come up with. Oh, wow. I hadn't looked at the time. Over an hour. Again, um, I had fun. (laughs) I had fun. Uh, Thinking about this offense next year is a lot of fun, specifically if they can get a a dual-threat quarterback either as a transfer... Or Brendan Lewis is ready to go. They have weapons. They have a lot of weapons. Um, if you guys have any questions or comments, would love to hear those. Uh, throw them on the in the comment section of the post for today's show, and I will get to them on Monday. Might need like an emergency podcast if the Buffs do something crazy in Kansas this weekend. But uh, if not, I will see you on Monday with another show. Talking about some of what happened in college football over the weekend. I'm sure there will be some Buffs football news coming out. There there always is. There's always something going on. Um, it's just a lot of fun. Um, breaking down Kansas as well. A uh, whole, whole bunch of things happening in the Buffs world. And this is where you should be coming for all of it. Uh, tell your friends. Love growing. Oh, I haven't asked in a while. If you put like five stars leave a review for the show in the like on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. We really appreciate that. It helps us show up on searches um higher so that if somebody says, "You know what? I want to try out a buffs podcast." Then this is the one that they'll try first. And I think I'd make a good first impression and they'd stick around. Uh so please please do that. We really appreciate it. Really appreciate you listening. Um Anything in particular you want to hear about, leave it in the comments, DM me on Twitter, whatever. Um, I'm all over the internet. You can find me. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. Uh, have fun this weekend watching sports. Bye.
0: I think I like my Colorado. My Colorado swag yeah. is pushing 180. Speed and pad competition, see you later, baby. baby. Colorado. With soldiers like the Navy yeah. And boaters where we stationed patiently awaiting Boy. When I hit the field It's so hard to behave yeah. I'm Colorado swagging As the crowd do the wave Look into my eyes I can tell that you afraid uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya Hit, ya. hit, ya. hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now Why you watching the official yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle God. And we you playin' with ya You can get it anytime yeah. It started at the Same I team. think they like my Colorado sway Cause when I'm in it play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad Holla, get a buzz with my Colorado sway My Colorado sway My Colorado sway I think they like I think they like my Colorado sway My Colorado sway My Colorado sway